welcome to um, another Weekend Wire episode. Not on a weekend, but this is a special occasion as we have a special guest. Um, Dave Dufour from The Athletic is on the call along with Aro. Um, he writes for The Athletic. He has a couple of podcasts that he does, and we're super excited to have him today. So um, we're super excited to talk uh, playoff basketball with him. Well, this, this should be a lesson to anyone listening. Don't make a joke about having me on your podcast because I will fucking show up. <laughs> yeah, that's really how this all started. Uh, I think I made, I made some, something about the Clippers Vavs and uh, you replied. And I was like, oh shit, like I texted you. I was like, all right, this might actually happen. Oh, but- yeah, man. Listen, uh, when, I remember when I started my podcast and a lot of people said yes to me that probably shouldn't. Now, I'm not in that space yet. Like, I should be saying yes to everybody. Uh, but I, I hope that even if I get to a point where I sh- should say no to people, I will still say yes. So yeah, if, if you make the joke, I'm, I'm showing up, but you better bring the heat too. So the pressure's on you. It's not on me. I like, you know, I told you guys, I do this all day. So, you know, it's up to you. Let, let's see what you got. All right. Huh? Well, uh, we're ready to dive in. I think, uh, so first thing we want to do is this game five pivotal game of the Raptors Celtics series in which the Raptors, my, one of the teams I've been rooting for most heavily in these playoffs, I would say got pretty dominated. Um, it was ugly pretty much throughout. Um, and I thought, I thought nurse was actually going to wave the white flag in the third a little bit. And he, and he kind of did not until the fourth, but um, Toronto was just ice cold and, I thought Boston's defense was really good too, but um, yeah, the, the Raptors come out, they shoot one of 11 to start the game. They score 11 points in the first quarter. I thought they were going to be held to single digits until Lowry kind of drew one of his flailing fouls that he loves to do. Um, <laughs> well, so- as, as Nikola Jokic told us the last night, he's just making sure the ref knows that he got fouled. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, yeah. No, they're, they're extreme. They're extreme. But, Come on uh, now. Kyle Lowry, that, no. He, he reacts <laughs> like he gets hit by a shotgun from every yeah. single piece of contact. So, Well, Beverly was complaining about Jokic last night, too. But and then, like, Beverly's the guy that kind of does it. That's yeah. pretty ironic, too. Um, All these guys do it. And this is why the NBA really needs to clean it up. I mean, you know, I, I've been uh, – I would be draconian in the way that I would handle flopping. It would be an automatic ejection and a fine, like a big fine, like a $50,000 fine, because essentially you're, you're just trying to fool the referee. That's it. You're not playing basketball. You're just out there like, you know, some kind of uh, improv actor. And we all know improv sucks. Just play basketball. I think, I mean, I mean, for this series in particular, there are a lot of offenders. Um, Marcus Smart has been known to be a big flopper in the past. Um, yeah, this is a, this is a, a battle of grift. Grift. <laughs> uh, I mean, for sure. And even, um, you know, like those, those two guys, Smart and Lowry, are pretty much the, I would say, like top five in being known for this. I would say, you know, Harden. A little bit LeBron. I would say he did it more in the Cleveland years, but um, I'll throw Embiid in there too. Flopping. What, what's that, Arl? Embiid. I'll throw Embiid in there. 
at least in terms of the flailing. It's yeah. systemic. Listen, yeah. flopping is systemic. <laughs> it, everyone in the NBA flops to some degree. Even the guys who complain about it. You know, Luka Doncic and, and uh, Markeith Morris almost get into a fist fight. Was it Markeith or Marcus? That was Marcus. I Marcus. I Marcus. Remember, <laughs> they almost get into a fist fight. And, you know, it's because Luka tells him to stop flopping. And, uh, you know, pot meat kettle because Luca flops plenty too. I, again, this is a, this is a league wide issue. You know, we, we've all seen it in soccer for years. I think the NBA is just getting worse about it and half measures to try to clean it up are doing no good. And as a result, refereeing is more difficult. And so they blow more big calls because guys exaggerate contact more and more and more and more. And, you know, it's already, it's hard enough as it is. These guys are, you know, six foot seven, 240 pounds, super athletes, and you've got three guys with, I'm assuming, six regular eyeballs trying to watch what happens and call this stuff in real time. And so when you've got bad faith, literally bad faith actors out there, it's just a, it's nearly impossible to have a good, clean game. And, you know, for the television experience alone, forget the sport. Like, this is a TV, like, TV show. This, this is competing with blackish or TV, yeah. modern family or whatever else is on. Like you got to make something that's compelling for me to watch. And I'm sorry, but watching Marcus smart do backflips because someone put their hip out just isn't entertaining. And I feel like the reviews in the bubble have been like a big focus for like the, the dialogue on, you know, NBA Twitter and other channels like that. People have been pointing out that especially like, the reviews have always been a problem for the past like couple years, just how long they've been getting. But I feel Thanks like forever. every every other play um, down the stretch in a close game. I mean, this game wasn't close, obviously, but you always see like the Heat you know, Bucks Chris, game, for example. Yeah, right? yeah, the Heat Bucks game, for example, the Thunder Rockets game seven. The review game. process is broken. Yeah, I mean, it, it take, it's five minutes, and um, why does the head referee have to walk over and look at it on a TV screen? I, I just don't get it. Like, what are we doing? What are we pretending to do? It doesn't make sense to me. You're telling me that you can't have a guy just sitting there that rewatches every play after it's over? Like, it's not that hard. There are people on the internet that you could hire who are, uh, like, so quick to get clips up onto Twitter. They will sometimes have the clip up before the head referee is even watching the thing on the little – you know, 27-inch monitor or whatever. This is not difficult. It's, they, they make the easy parts hard, and the hard parts, they just, you know, hand-wave them like they're easy. And I just can't understand why that one simple thing where it's like we have a, le- a replay ref. That's his job. Cool. I, like, if I was a head referee, I'd be pumped for that. Right. I mean, like, soccer already does that same thing. So. Exactly. What are we Might doing? Well. <laughs> it's not a money issue. Like, for instance okay. – they, they experimented with four referees on the court for G League uh, a couple, couple seasons back. Uh, makes sense. Another two eyeballs on the court. You're also making these guys having to cover less ground. You got another angle to see the action. It's dumb. It's, like, it's not going to cost you that much more. You have to hire, like, I don't know, 10 more referees or something, which they, uh, I guess, have waiting in the wings. But just add a fourth ref, have a replay ref. It's not that difficult. Man, I'm ranting here. <laughs> I do think that um, that coaches have taken advantage of these long replays, though. And I, uh, we saw Nick Nurse do this in Game Four, where he he played. I think he played Van Vliet and Lowry the entire second half, uh, both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just because, you know, they didn't want to go down 3-1. Um, and they're getting these, like, little three, four-minute breaks when a call gets reviewed um, where they're just – it's basically a free timeout or a free just rest for these guys. Um, and that's something that, you know, Coach Bud obviously hasn't really done. But um, I thought Nurse was really smart with that. But, again, his team got blown out in this game five. He tried to go small to start the second quarter with Siakam at the five – which was a lineup that had played seven minutes all season um, before this game. But then the Celtics were able to go on an 11-0 run and another uh, 16-2 run in the first half. So that, that didn't work great. Um, and it just kind of seemed like they had no answers. Even, even going to some of the zones and the matchup zone that we've seen the Raptors play in this series, uh, the boxing one against Tatum, Mm-hmm. Not sure if they tried that in this game, but I thought that was an interesting strategy in game four. Um, yeah, but if you do that against Tatum, then Kemba gets to kill you. Yeah. And that's the issue. Is It's a matchup problem. And, and the, the big thing is the Raptors depend on live ball turnovers for so much of their offense. They, they turn live ball turnovers into points at a ridiculous rate. Their transition offense is fantastic. But in the playoffs, you're just not going to get into transition that much. Teams are going to be a little bit more conservative and get back on defense. Boston's already fantastic at that. And they just don't allow you to generate live ball turnovers somehow. I mean, that's been the story of the series. It's just Toronto can't create live ball turnovers, and then they have no off-ball motion in the half court, so they're not getting any offense. Their defense really hasn't been all that awful. And Boston's offense hasn't really been all that amazing. It's just that it, they've, both, they've been better on both ends than Toronto has, which makes it seem like the simplest you know, problem in the world. Okay, so Toronto just needs to be better. This is where not having a Jason Tatum guy or a Kawhi Leonard is really hurting them because when their offense sticks and you have no motion and nothing's being generated, they have not one single guy that can just get a bucket. I think that's that was my biggest worry with them coming into the playoffs because I mean like Miami we've seen has stagnated their offense at times especially early in the fourth quarter late in the third quarter and sometimes Jimmy's just had to go out there and get them buckets uh same thing for I mean the Clippers last night I think relied on Paul George and Kawhi a lot more than they have probably throughout the playoffs uh to just get them buckets at sometimes because you can't rely on your half court sets working out all the time in the playoffs exactly but Toronto, their, their half court wasn't really working in the regular season. True. <laughs> no, they did, they're, they're very reliant on transition offense. Yeah. And like y'all were saying, uh, Toronto doesn't have that guy to, you know, just go ISO and get them big buckets in these games. Siakam's not there yet. Um, and Lowry just really hasn't been that guy throughout his career. Uh, bright spot for them, though, I thought, I thought Ananobi has been pretty good in this series. Um, and Gasol just looks like he's – just either too old to compete anymore or um, he kind of, he just kind of looks a step slow and everything. And he's just, it's clear that he's not the player that he used to be. Um, And then playing Abaka off the bench had a lot of success in game four. And I think, I think an adjustment they can make is, is maybe starting him in game five or just giving him more minutes. I mean, in game six. um, So this thing doesn't end. Uh, But I'm, I'm expecting that, Game six will at least be close, so we can get a, and hopefully we can get a game seven out of these two because um, that would just be super entertaining because it's been a chess match 
throughout pretty much with, you know, nurse going through all the different defenses. Uh, you know what? I disagree. <laughs> I think, I think uh, the series probably should have been over already. Obviously, you know, OG hits that big shot. Um, if he doesn't make that big shot, then, you know, the series is over. And I, I think that the disparity in talent between these two teams is pretty clear. And it's not about overall talent because we saw in the regular season they're pretty close. It's having that extra gear in the playoffs. And, and again, Toronto just doesn't have anyone who can do what Jason Tatum does. And hell, Jalen Brown has been – Jalen Brown would be the best player on the Raptors right now. Yeah, he's been, he's been brutal. And so when you've got the three best guys in the series, because Kemba's been great too, I just don't see how you, can, how you can win and how you can come back. It doesn't mean that Toronto is trash. It just means that they're not a championship-level team this year. And maybe they would have been without the hiatus, but I doubt it. I mean, the, their offensive issues were pretty apparent yeah. early on. And, and, you know, this is one of the things that I think we maybe don't give – Nick Nurse enough of a hard time about is that and clearly some of this is personnel but I want to see him getting them doing more right like you don't have the personnel to just create off the dribble so there are other options right well I mean some simple motion run the Princeton offense I don't care do anything but what they're doing now just isn't working yeah I think I think I mean, I, I agree with you that, you know, OG shot definitely, you know, turned the tide. But um, game two, I thought was pretty close. I, I do think that in, in game six, um, they might need a big scoring performance from, from uh, Van Vliet, who hasn't really gotten hot yet. Um, and I think that that could, that could be coming. But um, I'm not saying that I think the Raptors are going to win this series. I, I, I do think, like both of y'all, I would assume that the – Celtics are going to win this in six on Wednesday. Um, That's my expectation. But I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we can extend this a little bit because it's, it's been entertaining for me. So, um, on to the Nuggets Clippers game three last night, which was super entertaining. I thought um, after, you know, the the Clippers didn't really take the Nuggets seriously in all of game two and a big a big portion of this game, and they kind of had to dig a little deeper in the fourth quarter than I think they would have liked to with Kawhi and PG. Um, what, what did y'all think about the effort level from them? And if it, if it is going to spell their doom later, later in the playoffs. I mean, I I've said this a couple of times already, but the Clippers just uh, pretty much act like they're in the third year of a dynasty run, you know? versus a team that has just been put together has flaws, which it clearly does. You know, they've got like six and a half guys in their rotation right now. Um, we just don't see the effort level that we see at, at the end of games. And, and it feels like they could put this away pretty early if they just, you know, take the intensity up a notch. Part of it is doc just sticking to his rotations. Part of it is that the nuggets just don't have as much talent. And, and so it allows the Clippers to sort of take it easy. But, but the other thing is that I, I just never feel like these guys are connected or trying hard. And when they do turn it up, it's like, oh, okay, cool. They just 21 to six run. There you go. The game's over. And, and this isn't to knock the Nuggets. The Nuggets are a really good team. They're just not a championship level team. And the Clippers are. They, they've got those guys that can get you there. Um, I, I think that the Nuggets, while being really good, aren't good enough to withstand Jamal Murray only scoring 14 points. They need more than that. And, and it's great that he had nine assists, but 
you know, they need him going. Not to get going. They need him going and staying going. He needs to be at 25 or more a game for them to have any sort of chance in this series. I will say one thing that, like, has really impressed me has been Jeremy Grant's defense um, and, and Gary Harris coming back from injury. Um, I thought their defense hasn't really been too much of a problem. The Clippers have gone hot from three at times but uh, to, like, get those runs that you're talking about. But to me, like, that's more – the Clippers locking in on defense, getting stops, and that's kind of allowed them to get on those runs. And I don't think the offense has run as wild as we might have seen, say, like game five against Dallas. At a certain point, Kawhi is just going to be able to hit tough shots. Um, and I think that goes a, a little bit the same for PG2, not to the same degree. Um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought, like you said, I thought Jeremy Grant was fantastic, especially in game two. Um, and for the Nuggets, they're kind of just missing that that uh, one more shot maker. Um, and I, I think if Will Barton returns, that can help them a little bit in this series. But I don't think this this is going past six to begin with. Um, uh, but they they got a little bit from uh, Michael Porter Jr. last night. But with him, it's kind of like you take the good with the bad. And when it's really good, it's really good. And when it's bad, it's horrible. So. <laughs> To say the least, yeah. Um, and yeah, like like Dave said, getting getting just a subpar game from Murray isn't going to do it for the Nuggets, despite having having Jokic's best game of the series so far. Um, they're going to need more from Murray. To him, they need him to get like hot, like he did in the in the Jazz series, to you know have a chance of winning this thing. So, um, yeah, I, I, for game for game four, I would expect the. I don't I, see. You never really know with this Clippers team. I mean, you, you would that's think, right. Think that they would come out strong, but you know, it could be it could be reminiscent of game two where they're just not taking it seriously and going through the motions. And you you would hope that uh, Beverly can sort of like get the group to raise its intensity as a whole, but um, you know, that's just not really their mindset. They're kind of they're kind of that that flipping a switch team like we've seen in the past, I'm not saying that they're on the level of the 2018 warriors, but it, it kind of feels like, like they're just like, Oh, we can, we can do this whenever we want, but they haven't won anything. Like you said. Exactly. Exactly. They're, I mean, you know, Kawhi is one. No one else on that team has. Everybody else. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Just, know, don't act like you've been there before. If you haven't, that's all I ask for. Well, I thought um, Zubac, uh, Zubats, or however you say it. Um, Zubats. Yeah, him him fouling out, I thought, might have led to the Nuggets maybe winning last night, but uh, it didn't. But he, he's been kind of needed in this series, and that's not, that's not really something that I think a lot of people were expecting, him being a major factor, because Harrell is not really um, adept enough defensively to deal with Jokic. Um, so he, he's played some good minutes for them. Well, they started bringing the double a lot to Jokic, especially in the second half, and mm-hmm. it worked a lot better. But, yeah, Harrell alone just can't. can't yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, they won all those, those minutes with Zubac, uh, it, aside from him being fouled out, which, you know, was probably half of the, <laughs> the plan for, for the Nuggets, I'm sure, was get him out of the game so that you can attack the, the mismatch on, on Harrell. I mean, Harrell just – we saw him struggle with Boban. 
you know, Jokic isn't as big as Boban, but he's a better player. And, and you know, it's pretty obvious to me. Harrell is not quite unplayable, but he's not playable. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. He looks a little bit off, even on the offensive end, too. Um, I know he's drawing fouls at a pretty high rate, but otherwise... He's not making game, those high-energy, like, put-back yeah. dunk plays and the lobs from Lou Will, like you would, like we saw all regular season. So. Yeah. Yeah. Lou Williams has been quiet, too. He was good. I thought he was good in the game last night. Yeah. Um, you know, it, and he didn't score well, but he actually... See, this is the, the funny thing about him, is that that guy defends with effort. He just isn't very good at it. But but good things happen with effort. You know, I mean, defense is a skill, but if you effort enough, you can do things. Like, he was disrupting passing lanes and getting deflections and things like that. And so, you know, it, it's one of those things where you watch the rest of these guys not try as hard, and you just have to get frustrated because they're so much more skilled than, than Lou Will is, and yet Lou is out there busting his butt and, you know, not able to do as much. And it's just uh, – it can be frustrating. I can only imagine if how frustrating it must be to coach that. But then again, it's Doc. So, Doc kind of does the same thing. It's like, ah, we'll try hard when we have to. Definitely not going to practice, despite the fact that they haven't had their full team together all year. Why would you want to do that? Yeah, can't explain it. Just yeah, why would you want to have practice and build up chemistry? I, I don't know. <laughs> But to be fair, it has worked for them so far. So I don't know until they get I, exactly. really bad. Yeah. No, exactly. And that's <laughs> and that's the, the the most frustrating thing for me personally is that I look at this team and I know what they ought to be, but they're so often not that. And then they can just turn it on when they feel like it and be that. And so you just throw your hands up and you're like, "Well, I have I have nothing more to say here." Well, do do either of y'all see the Nuggets? Extending this past six games? Probably not. I don't. Yeah. Probably not. Okay. Um, so on to the Rockets-Lakers. Um, game three will be tonight, but we'll talk about game two a little bit. Um, it, it looked like it was going to be a blowout in the first quarter uh, when whenever uh, Morris hits four threes in the first – no, he hit four threes in just three minutes of – of time and then uh, Rondo had six assists and the Lakers jump out to that huge lead. Um, mm-hmm. We're saying, you know, we're kind of expecting this from a Scott Foster game with, you know, PJ Tucker picking up the two early fouls and um, that being to the Lakers advantage, but the Rockets really uh, to their credit, they really um, came back in the third. Um, I thought Eric Gordon was especially great in this one. Um, and we, we can talk about Westbrook's abysmal game with him just, I mean, it, it was a liability on both ends. Um, the effort level wasn't there defensively. And then offensively, um, he's wide open for threes. And he's just not making any, it's not, it's not even like he was attacking. Like a lot of times when, if, if Harden's getting doubled and they, they swing it out to Westbrook and he's, he has a lot of space, he'll use that as, as like um, running room to try to get something going towards the rim and then either try to score himself or kick it out. But he was just, that one, that one play where he just clanked a three to basically like seal the game for the Lakers. Um, he, he can't have a performance as bad as this if the if Houston's going to have a chance in this series. Oh yeah, definitely not. <laughs> uh, and I mean, he's just not going to get guarded. And Plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, he he was one for eight with four turnovers in the first half, um, and. 
I mean, if he wasn't so bad, they definitely would have won in this game and been up 2-0. Um, if, you know, they well, hit. They can't hit. win. They can't win unless he's a superstar, right? Like, it just doesn't work at the level they needed to work at unless he's a superstar. And they weren't even – it wasn't even that Houston went cold in this game. I mean, they hit 22 threes, which is above average mark for them. Usually if that's happening, they're going to win every single time. He was just so, so bad. And, um, you know, Davis, Davis got it going uh, versus Tucker a lot better than he did in game one with the sort of fallaways and fadeaways. Um, and LeBron was pretty aggressive um, getting to the basket and kicking out. I shoot. think the foul trouble kind of helps with that too. Right? So. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Foul trouble definitely – because Tucker can be, you know, the cinder block that he wants to be um, moving all frenetically against AD. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, honestly, Morris could be could be big for the Lakers if they decide that they can't really play Dwight. Because um, if, he, if he's, you know, spreading the floor for them versus Houston um, – there, there was the, there was this debate before the before the beginning of the series whether the Lakers should just stay big or go small to try to combat Houston, and I feel like we still have mixed results with that in this series. Um, and the answer isn't quite clear. But what are y'all's thoughts on that? I think go, staying small with AD at the five just makes sense. Um, Dwight and Javale haven't really been very good. You know, that's one thing, and so why wouldn't you just play your best players more, right? Like, it's, it's, it's easier to do than the opposite. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, you don't see a massive rebounding advantage even when the Lakers are going big. Um, you're not seeing them just being able to easily score inside either, so I don't think it makes sense to just kind of play big for the sake of playing big. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when you have as talented a guy as AD, like, yeah, just play him at the five. You can go small and – you kind of have to hope the guys like Morris hit shots, but uh, I, I think you're better off doing that than trying to force Dwight and, and Javale to play big minutes. Yeah, I, I don't really, I still don't really know what to make of this series in terms of who's going to win. Um, I was pretty confident before it started that it would be Lakers in six or uh, seven, but what I've seen, I've, I've been pretty impressed from what the Rockets have been able to do. Um, and the Lakers, I, I think it's hard for them to really score enough to beat this team without either having that horrible Westbrook performance or um, the Rockets just going cold from three, which hasn't happened yet and is probably going to come at some point or two during this series. But um, I think, you know, at, some, at a certain point for them, it just checks out to math. And um, the Rockets definitely have that in their advantage. Unless AD can just be completely dominant in the post – um, drawing free throws, but which do, he just hasn't shown that he wants. Yeah, to do. I mean, I, I do think if Tucker is playing, you know, without foul trouble, it's he's going to be pretty effective on him. Yeah, they're so physical, and AD really can't stand that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm I would guess that the Rockets can hang around, but it's you know it's just tough without Russ playing as a superstar. I just don't think they can win. I think I think if they can get back to some of that. If the Lakers start doubling hard and if they can get back to some of that uh, rust in the short roll um, and him making good decisions, either kicking it out or driving himself, that's where he really succeeded before the uh, the hiatus. And um, in, in like February, March, I thought he was really good in that role for them, um, playing some of the most – maybe not the 
arguably the best basketball of his career. Um, probably the most efficient as well. Um, that was a good role for him. And I think that if they can get back to that, it'll lead to maybe them potentially winning the series, but it, it is going to be, it's going to be an uphill battle for sure. Um, and Hard, Harden's looked a lot more comfortable um, not having to ward off Lou Dort, especially in game one. Um, it's just, it's just, he has a lot more room because um, the Lakers don't really have anyone who can check him. And I mean, that, that's going to be huge for them um, as this goes on. For sure. Yeah, he, he just looks a lot more comfortable. And I, I think if he's comfortable, then, you know, you can kind of expect him to go for 30. Then it also opens up a lot more space for Westbrook, um, which, yeah, I mean, like it, then it comes down to him making good decisions. But uh, I, I think I, I would have this series going seven. Um, I just, again, like you said, I think that Houston gets cold at some point and, I don't know if you can even win games if you're pulled from three, uh, if you're Houston. And uh, that's probably going to be the big obstacle that, that they can't overcome. Dave, do you think um, Houston has a, any chance of getting out of this in seven or six? Or do you think the Lakers are going to I mean, I think it's unlikely. Clearly, they, they can create problems, but it's just so much of it's about Russ and, and – you know, I, I just don't know how healthy he is. And if he's going to shoot like he has, meaning take shots like he has, shooting all these threes, not attacking the basket, then definitely not. They're, they'll be out of this in six at, at the most. Okay. Well, um, we can do a little bit on uh, Bucks Heat, even though it's seemingly about to end, um, most likely tonight. Probably. I think. Still no news on whether Giannis is going to return. Um, I would think that he's not going to play, given that. You know, everybody keeps saying that. Um, I think he's going to play. Now, we're recording this before the game, but I have no reason to think he's not going to play. I do think he, he, he if he's, like, making the decisions he's going to want to play, um, which, I would, which I would assume he is. But I, I don't – I don't know. We – like, I mean, clearly he's going to test it because you can't just not play him. Um, yeah. yeah, I think he comes out for the first half at least. And, and if they see how they see how they're doing, play it by ear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, the Bucks went to that went to that lineup, that small lineup with um, like Wesley Matthews at the five that had some success. Um, obviously, I don't think any of us think they're coming back in the series, but um, you know, they could they could push it. And I and I hope we get to see some some fireworks down the stretch like we did in Game Four. Um, but again, I thought Game Four was more the Heat just didn't really know how to defend uh, Milwaukee without Giannis. And like I, I know it's been talked about a lot that I, I think the Heat were just a little bit unprepared for it, and Milwaukee gets a little bit more creative without it. Um, Middleton is probably their best shot creator in this series, at least. Um, and he gets the ball a lot more without Giannis on the floor. Um, and I think it just makes – like, I, I think that's just the easier for, like, Bud's half-court offense when you have five guys pretty much that can shoot all the time. Well, that's it. In a potential Eastern Conference Finals, let's just assume the Celtics move on. Um, and we can assume that the Heat move on since they probably will. No team has ever – 
went up 3-0 and lost. Um, who who not do you yet. edge in that? <laughs> I, listen, I'm not convinced that the Bucks can't come back. Oh. That's the thing. Really? Um, yeah, That's because yeah. I don't think – well, look, Miami is certainly a matchup problem for the Bucks, but, like, the Bucks are a really good basketball team. They just need to do things slightly different than they did all year, and that's been the trouble for them. So, you know, I wouldn't put it past them to be able to win four games in a row. I mean, it's it's a tough ask, and Spolstra is just hammering Mike Budenholzer in this series. But, I mean, it could happen. It's not outside the realm of possibility. This is not, um, you know, a heartless team. It is not a team that doesn't have good players. And, you know, certainly having Giannis injured is not going to do them any favors. But if he can play, I mean, he looked really good at the uh, first 11 minutes of the game. Yeah, opening minutes of game four, he looked amazing. And he was playing with, you know, a lot of uh, urgency. Yeah, but their issue is that they're not generating good offense when he's on the court. It's Giannis or nothing. And, you know, when when they can send three guys – to the to the freaking free throw line and cut him off from getting to the basket that's a bad thing and, and he he just basically has no one else to give the ball to i'd like to see them play more of the style that they played when he was out you know have him setting screens like he's a really dangerous role man i don't understand why he doesn't do more of that so you know there's plenty of stuff they could do it's just a matter of actually doing it and and pulling it off i think, yeah, I think we talked about oh go ahead Okay, uh, I think they should post him up more, especially yeah. if Bam's not in the game. He's guard- uh, being guarded by midgets. Yeah, I, th- I, I mean, think that really. would work for them. If yeah. you're trying to get some of those heat defenders in foul trouble, too. Right, and he's very good on the block. Now, he can't settle for fadeaways like he's done a few times, but I just don't understand. Post him up, run things around him. Don't just stand there. Yeah, have no. cutters, have DiVincenzo running if, around. If you, if you are bound and determined to play Kyle Korver, run Kyle Korver off some screens while Giannis posts up with the ball. You know he can throw the passes. It has. I, I just don't understand. Just do it. It's, you know, just abandon what the, the, the stuff that you're doing that doesn't work and just do stuff that works. It's not that hard. I know I say it like it's just very easy to just <laughs> do the thing you want to do, but you get what I'm saying. It's like, they have they have options. They just took too long to get there. Got, they didn't play Giannis and, and Chris Middleton enough. You know, it, it's there. There are plenty of problems for them as well. But most of those would have been avoidable. And I think the part that worries me, at least for the Heat, is that their offense does kind of tend to stall out at some point in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how much ball movement they have. It looks really pretty, but it also means that there are more chances for turnovers, and they sometimes. At least to me, they overpass the ball at times um, when they just need to shoot. And yeah, there's some think, record scratching going on there too where guys just don't yeah, want to yeah. shoot. Yeah, and it's like dude, you have an open shot, just take it. Like we'll live with it. And I, I don't know. that It worries me, especially like if Giannis plays and if he plays as well as he did in game four. Um, I, that you don't look as in control of this series as you like to think they are. Exactly. Thank you for saying that because that's exactly how I feel after watching game four because the heat could have won that game, but we all kind of felt like they just weren't going to. And like, you know, the series has been closer than it looks on paper. Oh yeah. Very easily could be three, one bucks or two, two. Game two, yeah, I think right. I think two two is definitely in the room. Yeah, I mean game two, the heat barely won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, 
the Giannis injury is a ga- is a series changing injury. With that being said, the Bucks still had great success without Giannis. I, I just I think you just stick with that, and you know you need a little bit of luck on your side too. Let's let's be honest. They they are going to need to probably shoot the lights out, not just rely on Miami to miss. They're going to have to hit shots because Miami has shown that even in the games where it doesn't hit threes, it can still beat you. Right. I feel like Middleton has been as good of a shooter as anybody in the series. Middleton's been awesome. Yeah. Middleton's been awesome. Anybody that doesn't see that Chris Middleton's been great uh, doesn't know what the hell they're watching. Not playing Pat Connaughton has been a good adjustment. Huge adjustment. Just don't play your bad players. (laughs) Again, like it's, you know, it's funny because I mean, I've coached for like a decade at this point. And the number one piece of advice I would give myself from now to when I first started, play your best players as much as possible. Seems, when it matters. seems intuitive. But when you start obsessing about like, well, he played 33 minutes versus 37. All right, I'm sorry, man. But like, this is a, this is a playoff series. This is do or die. Giannis, and if he's healthy, obviously the ankle is such a, a whatever. But Chris Middleton needs to play 48 minutes. That's it. Just, hey, Chris, please rest up, carb up, whatever else you need to do. You're going 48. Don't foul out. That's it. And, and, and that's how you're – the only way they're going to get out of this is playing their best players more. I mean, yeah, it's true. We, every, we've seen every good coach shorten their rotations pretty much. Um, Except for Doc. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there, there's a time where that, that has to be done. You've seen, you've seen it in these – like, I mean, Rockets, Warriors, some of these series are basically – have been like seven on seven. So um, – Not the, from the Warriors. The Warriors play – like Steve Kerr played 12 guys in the first quarter of a finals game. Well – I'm I'm more talking like like 20, 2018, like that kind of range. Oh sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, Steve. Yeah, that that did lose them the finals, twenty sixteen probably the Vera Jow minutes and the um, the three that LeBron had over uh, Azili. But uh, well, it was more the foul that Azili got right. Like he ju- he bit on the on the pump fake. Do you remember that? I don't remember. I remember. I remember. Him hitting a three. He over. hit the three, but he also he also went to the free throw line. Like down low? No, no, no. On a three. He, oh, on a three. Azili okay. Azili bit on the pump fake. Okay, I'll need to rewatch then. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, Bud just needs to shorten his rotation. It's like you were saying, play Chris Middleton at an absurd amount of minutes because that's I mean they're going to need it. It's do or die time for them. Um, so and if they yeah. want. And if Middleton doesn't want to do it, okay, cool. But I, I'm pretty sure that he does, right? I'm pretty sure if you ask Chris Middleton, hey, how do you feel about playing 48 minutes? Yeah, okay. For sure. yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably no, like, it has no thought whatsoever about it. It's just like, cool. Seems I mean, fine. it's a problem when, you know, Brooke, Brooke Lopez is playing. He played the most minutes out of any Bucks player in game three, and that was at 37. Like, that, sh- that should not be happening. To be fair, like, Brooke Lopez has been good, but still, he's not been yeah. minutes. He's their third best player in this series. Yeah. So, you know, got to play him. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I honestly could not have put that better myself. Um, you just, just gotta play just your best players. Yeah. Play your five best guys as much as you can. That like basketball one hundred and one, very easy. Mike D'Antoni is really good at that. Yeah, and and I think other coaches could learn from that. All right. Well, um, unless you guys have any other thoughts on these playoffs series that we've got going on right now, um, I think that's a good way to end it with some, some awesome coach bud slanders. We always <laughs> love to do. Oh, uh, it's going to be awful. It's going to be awful. If, if they lose. They lose. I mean, if they lost game five, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, man, five, if you lose in five, it's a sweep. Now, what's funny here is I actually predicted Bucks in five. Oh. I thought the games would be close, but I thought the Bucks would find a way to win. So I, think, I got to a point where I kind of just wanted the Heat to sweep. Well, are the Heat yeah, winning? See, my go my yeah. go to on this is just to say, oh man, you know, this bubble is just it's so unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean I, I have the Heat in six, so I'm still feeling good if they lose tonight, but uh as did I. But Bucks and seven. Bucks and seven. Let's go. <laughs> Might as well. Chaos. Four chaos. All right. <laughs> Do you have the Bucks going to the finals too? I, I had them winning the title. Yes. Okay. Like, this is awful. <laughs> this is awful for me. Oh, it's the only, only thing that matters is how bad this is for me. <laughs> oh, man. Who do you have from the Western? Western side. I have the Lakers. I listen Lakers. Okay. for the most part, man. The best teams win. That's just but, typically but are what the happens. Lakers better than the Clippers. Uh, yeah, I would I mean, say they are. I don't know. Supporting cast, though. I don't. I don't know because because yeah, the Lakers <laughs> role players have just you know have they gotten to Orlando yet? Honestly, <laughs> Kuzma's been up and down, but mostly up. Like, Russo Kuzma's hasn't. Been, yeah, but Caruso's been bad. Like, hey, Caruso maybe should be out of the rotation. I, I don't no, know. Ron, yeah, Rondo uh, has actually been okay. Uh, Rondo yeah. and AD, for some reason, are just great together. And I don't know. Like, they must be really, really tight. But, it's that Pelicans connection. I don't know he why. Makes, he, he makes Anthony Davis play better. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're going to end it there. But um, – Aro and I will be back next week over the weekend um, to discuss some of these series, hopefully going, going the distance. And if not, uh, make some predictions for the conference finals round. So we will see you guys then.